Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Revelations chapter 1. And I'm pretty excited about it. And before we go there, let's go to let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today and for all that you've done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for telling us how it's going to end. Tell, thank you for helping us to know how the story ends. And Father, I lift up this reading to you. I just pray that you would be the one that we hear from. I pray for you, Holy Spirit, to open our hearts and our minds. I pray that you would be the one that guides our paths today, tomorrow, and every day. And that it be our hearts that you write upon and our minds that you clear and instruct. I just pray all the stuff we've learned in the past that's wrong would be left in the past. And I pray that you would speak new words, new wisdom, and new insights into our hearts and our minds. And may our spirits be open to you, Father God. May we experience you in new and different ways. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I, I'm excited about this. I can't wait. It's just so cool to go through it. Um, there's a couple things that I've been reading. And I'll share um, some writings from Charles Spurgeon. And uh, really get into that. But just as I've been reading through revelations there's been things that i've been reading different commentaries and whatnot and uh anyways let's just get started chapter one verse one the revelation from jesus christ which god gave him to show his servants what must soon take place he made it known by sending his angel to his servant john who testified to everything he saw that is the word of god and the testimony of jesus christ blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, there's a couple things here. One is it's cool because John saw Jesus. He was a disciple. And he saw Jesus as a man. He then saw him suffer and die as a crucified man. He also saw that he was raised from the dead. He also experienced Jesus when he'd come back during the 40 days after his death. He saw him at Pentecost or experienced him at Pentecost, and throughout his life. And now the revelation is shared with him also at this time. Verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So again, one of the, one of the sermons or messages I read was, check out how quickly Paul or John jumps into a doxology or a praising of God, of Jesus, that he can't even wait to get in and just start saying how much he loves God and how great he is and who he is and talk about his glory. Verse 7, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and those who pierced him, 
and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. So sometimes people talk about the coming, second coming and they, you know, heretics or false prophets say, oh, I am Jesus. I have come. I just come quietly. Not according to this. When Jesus comes a second time, there is going to be no confusion. It says every eye will see him. Every eye. Even those who pierced him. And all peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So it's not, Jesus isn't going to come in some quiet fashion. He's going to be coming in the clouds. Everyone will see him. This isn't going to be something where you think maybe, hey, did you, do you know that? Like, I heard that Jesus came back. There's going to be none of that because every eye will see him. Verse 8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Again, I think it's cool that John is going through all this and seeing it. Verse 9 I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Yeah, he was in prison for preaching. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira." Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the, see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white as, like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So that's the end of chapter one. So we're just going to go through this and read a few things from people um, at various times. So I'm not going to get into all the prophesying and so many are always try to predict. But I'm going to read something from Spurgeon. It's very brief, but it's about chapter one, verse 17. Where in the New New International Version, chapter 17 says, don't be afraid. In the King James Version, it says, fear not. So Spurgeon wrote in 1880 for one of his sermons, he wrote, fear not 
is a plant which grows very plentifully in God's garden. If you look through the lily beds of scripture, you will continually find by the side of other flowers the sweet fear nots peering out front, out from doctrines and precepts, even as violets look up from their hiding among places of green leaves. Fear nots bloomed in the old times at the feet of Abraham when he returned from fighting with the kings. Melchizedek blessed him and the Lord comforted him. The patriarch might have been half, half afraid that he would always lead a troubled life. Now that he had once drawn, now that he had once drawn the sword, but the Lord came to him in a vision and said, "Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. If he had to undergo a soldier's toils, he should have a soldier's shield and a shoulder's soldier's pay, and both should be exceedingly great, for he should find them both in God." After you've been fighting battles for Christ, you may feel weary and worried. And then your great Melchizedek will refresh you with bread and wine and whisper in your ear, fear not. A fear not was spoken to Isaac when he had dug wells and the Philistines fought for them. And he, like the meek soul that he was, gave gave them up one by one to avoid a conflict. At last he settled down at Beersheba. And there the Lord appeared unto him and said, Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you. You see, he was a feeble man, and therefore the Lord dealt tenderly with him. If any of you are meek and quiet spirits and rather apt to tremble exceedingly, may the Lord often give you a blessed fear not to wear in your bosoms, that its fragrance may comfort your hearts. So Spurgeon goes on to talk about how Jacob had been told by God, to fear not, that he should be have no fear about going down into Egypt, for he will go with him. And he goes through talking about all the fear nots throughout the Old Testament. Then he goes into the New Testament. But the reality is, there's no need for us to fear, because God is with us. He is walking with us. He's in control. And as revelations will show, he is the final say. That God is there and fear nots need to be plentiful and are plentiful in our garden of life. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are and how you love us. I thank you for your word. And I just lift up this time, Lord, to you and pray that you would be the one that we hear from and that we would live for you and that we would learn to love you with our whole being so that we can then love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm grateful to you, Lord, and I just lift up our nation and our country. I lift up our families and our friends, and I just pray that they would get to know you better, that a revival would occur, and that we could all fear not. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.